Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff. My guest today is Antoinette Comer. Antoinette has been working as a professional actress for the last decade. Currently based in New York City, she has been seen on Broadway, off-Broadway, in national tours, and stages across the globe. She is expanding her acting talents in the commercial and voiceover genres and was recently featured in several commercials, both on camera and behind the mic. Antoinette is also passionate about language and teaches ESL to children in China online. For herself, she is learning Japanese. I had the privilege of working with Antoinette on the off-Broadway revival of Smokey Joe's Cafe. She brings such a light and positive presence to both the rehearsal room and the stage, and I am absolutely delighted to have her here today. Antoinette, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So on New Year's Day, you posted on Facebook how at the beginning of 2020, you had started the year feeling like you were burnt out, like you had no direction, and you weren't really happy with where you were going. And you decided to take a break from musical theater to discover who you were outside of the industry. And when I read that, I thought, I have to have her on the show. (laughs) Because I think that due to COVID, a lot of artists are being forced to figure out who they are outside of the industry. Um, And you're sort of started voluntarily and then, you know, became involuntary very quickly. But um, so let's just start at the beginning and tell me a little bit about your background as a performer and your relationship with anxiety. So um, like you mentioned before, I've been performing for about uh, 10 years now. Um, Initially, when I went to college, my main goal was to do playwriting and directing which I later found out was just my own fear of just not wanting to pursue acting or not thinking that I I could do it and that I was good enough. But thankfully, there were other plans for me. And I literally tell people like I tripped, stumbled and fell into being an actor. And I've just kind of grown as I as I've uh, gone along and everything like that. Um, But yeah, so I've been in the city since fall of 2014. And it's just it's just been an incredible experience learning from people as I've gone along. Um, But in terms of anxiety, it it, it just kind of comes it comes with the territory a little bit. When I was in college, I got a lot of no's. I still get a lot of no's, but this was like only no's. And it kind of messed with how I felt about myself because I was like, well, I didn't get cast in this. It's because I'm bad and just kind of taking it on personally. And Mm -hmm. that started to develop into my professional career once I graduated and started performing professionally. And um, all up until I had that that big girl kind of turnaround that we we can't do that anymore. And yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) big girl turnaround. (laughs) I like that. Big girl, turn around. (laughs) Um, So what are some of the stories that you were telling yourself or what were some of the events that occurred to make you feel like you weren't enough? So my um, technically it was my second uh, professional job when I first got out of college. I was cast in one of my first uh, leading roles and it was an amazing experience. It was my first time like living on my own, essentially. And I was really excited to get into that. And we were also developing a new show. And throughout the process, um, my director, you know, he would tell me I was doing a great job. And I was like, okay, is there anything else that I could be working on? And he'd be like, no, you're doing, you're doing great. And then two weeks before we opened, I was replaced with uh, one of my understudies. 
And for a long time, I I could not trust male directors. Hmm. And because anytime someone would tell me, oh, you're doing a good job. And at this point, it could be even a friend after I sang a song like I could I could never believe them because I was just like, no, 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 no. You're lying to me because that's what this person did. And then out of nowhere, I was moved out of this role because I wasn't good enough. And so I would tell myself, like, you're not good enough. And anytime I would work on something, it would just be like, no, it's it's not enough. It's not enough. You need to work harder because everyone is lying to you. And it was extremely poisonous, extremely toxic. And it took years to get out of that mindset. And it was like it was literally like becoming a slave to people's opinions and to my job because of that. That was I would say that was like the um, like the I'd say the cherry on top, because I, as I mentioned, like in college, I had gotten a lot of no's. And then when I finally got out to the professional world, I got this. It was just kind of the thing that pushed me over the edge before I had to, again, pick myself back up again. Right. So what were some of the things that helped you on that journey? I have met and encountered some of the best people along the way. And uh, they have been mentors, friends, encouragers, specifically in that uh, particular production. Uh, There were people who were like, listen, I'll work with you. And they still encouraged me. They still told me I did a good job. Like I never, anytime I did get to go on for the role, because I did I became the understudy for that part and I remained at the theater. Um, anytime I would go on, there was never a show where someone wasn't like, you did a great job. I wish I could have believed them at the time, but mm-hmm. they never stopped encouraging me. And I appreciate that so much. And so I try to do the same to other people because it's like, at some point you will get it. And if the people around you believe in you and they don't give up on you, it helps you to not give up on yourself. Right, right. What were some things you did to sort of tame those negative voices? Uh, for a while, I didn't tame them. <laughs> that was the, initially, I, I fed into them. I fanned that flame. But journaling has been uh, my big thing. So I, I'm definitely a big advocate for not like leaving it inside. And that's what I had done. So even if I don't have anyone to talk to or if... I don't feel comfortable sharing it out loud. I have to get it out. So journaling has been like my thing. So half of my journals make no sense. It's like (laughs) word vomit. But whenever like I just feel like that pressure build like building up and there's a lot of negative thoughts in my mind, I have to like just write and Mm -hmm. it'll be like, yeah, like I said, I was like just word vomit and just getting it out and then sometimes reading it back. I'm like, okay. I can actually see my feelings. I feel like I have a little bit more control over what's what's going on because it's not just overflowing in my head anymore. And I'm like, okay, it's on paper. I can see that. But definitely, 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 definitely journaling. Um, I uh, I believe in God, and so I also pray. And so there's a lot of things that I'm just like, I talk to God about, and I'm like, He hears me. He understands. I mean, He knows already what's going on. Um, and so a combination of those two things, but just making sure that it doesn't stay in me. Um, I haven't been successful with uh, therapy. I went to one therapist one time and it just didn't really work out. And then, of course, there's insurance and money. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> but yes, that I, I mean, I I'm a huge advocate for it. And I hope to find the right therapist one day. But in the meantime, a pen and paper 
goes a long way. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, in June of 2020, there was a necessary resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. And within that, a number of Black and BIPOC artists called the theater community out for its racist practices, which no doubt has called, caused a lot of anxiety for BIPOC artists. You had an experience working with a show that had some pretty racist practices. Can you tell us about that experience and what it taught you about yourself as an artist? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 um so in this in this particular production um the uh, it was the ensemble was heavy with um with black actors and um in in order to like i guess cut cost or whatever the case may be um it was only the black actors that were not provided with uh proper offstage um understudies and all of the right white roles were Actually, they had they had a few. Um, so going into that process, it was just one of those things where you're like, mm, what is this? Mm-hmm. And as the production continued on, it was it, it just it put a bad taste in our mouth and it sent the message of you don't really matter because in the show, like race actually did matter for some of the roles. And so when a when a black person was sick or they were out like we had to scramble and cover each other because there was no one there for us so we had to be our own support system which feeds into the whole like us and them type thing like that and i was like this this isn't the best energy to be sending out into the cast and mm-hmm. with a show like this and you know what the show is it was on us to bring it to the people in charge and to let them know hey this isn't okay and i'm just like that we we shouldn't have to do that. Like mm-hmm. our job as an actor is to like communicate this show, bring it to life and to put it on and to put it on stage. Um, and the I, I just I just didn't like the idea of that. We had to be the ones who had to pitch ideas to them because they were we were like, OK, so if you have if you don't have a lot of money, let's utilize people who are mixed race. Like this is a great opportunity to bring in someone who is half black and half white. And if if you need them to double, they can play both because they are both um, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I was just like, we I, I just was like, we shouldn't have to do that. Like we're not casting directors. We right. it's not yeah. your responsibility. Yeah, it's not a responsibility. We had to take on other things. And then we were the only ones who had to do all of these rehearsals, because, again, if um, if someone white was out, we had to cover them. So it was like. Not only did the white characters in the show have proper coverage, but they also had us. Hmm. And then we just had each other. And so we had to have all of these extra rehearsals to fill in the gaps and everything because we were the ones who had to do double duty. And I just it, it and it was it was just not the best position to be in. There were times that black uh, actors had to go on for characters who were historically white. And it's just like no, that's that's not OK. That's not doing this piece of work justice. That's not doing the art justice. But the message from our producers we were getting back was, oh, we don't care. The audience just wants to hear you sing. And that's just another stereotype that I really do hope that this pause with um, with Broadway and with musical theater like is able to bring to light is like usually a black person is in a show to just sing and to riff and to do all this stuff and then go back. At, go backstage and and just chill out. We don't really get to do, um, especially in shows that involve mixed uh, mixed races. We're just mm-hmm. kind of there to just be 
to just go there and sing and then leave. And we don't really get a whole lot of depth um, about us in mm-hmm. it. And so I'm just like, I really hope that they take that to heart because the message that they showed us was you don't matter, but we really need you to do all of this extra work for us because we didn't do the right thing in the, in the beginning. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coming up, Antoinette pursues a childhood passion and reconnects to a part of her purpose. I'm going to go back to my initial um, sort of question about your, your post at the beginning of the year. When you found yourself in this place of, you know, I need to figure out who I am, Um what, did, what have you learned over this past year about yourself as an artist? So much. Oh, so much. I, but the biggest, the biggest thing is that I, I am more than an actor and I am more than my job. When you get into this, into theater and into this business, it's, it's constantly like, okay, what's next? And it's hard to rest in the job that you're in because you're like, okay, in eight, 12 weeks or so, I have to be thinking about something else. And then you're worried about, okay, can I uh, miss this certain day to go to New York and audition for this and then come back? And it's just, you're never, you're never grounded. You're never just in, in a certain place. You're always worrying about and trying to do what's going to come afterwards. And I found myself over the last uh, several years, really, really falling into that to the point where I, I wasn't, being artistically fulfilled. And there were even moments that I wasn't doing justice to the audience because I was just not in my work. It had become a job and I had become a slave to it. And I was like, this is not okay. My mood shouldn't be dictated by whether or not I have a job after this contract is over. Um, And I was just like, I need to do this for me. And so I had made that, that plan that I was like, I, I think I need to take a break. And you know, COVID said, sure. So <laughs> didn't expect that, but right. but that's what happened. And so since this break has happened, I've been able to really, really just unplug and and see and see myself. I've spent a lot of time exercising. I stretch way more than I used to. And I'm like, you know what? I really, really enjoy this. Like I'm doing this workout program right now. And and it's fun because not be I'm doing it because it makes me feel good, not so I'm in the best shape for my next dance call. And I'm like, I can really right. just enjoy exercising. And with singing, I that was the first thing I wanted to stop because I, again, like I'm black and I'm not a big like power riffer. Um, when I first started singing, like I, I'm classically trained. When I was in high school and stuff, I was doing arias and singing in Latin. Like that's that was like my happy place. And I felt like I had to abandon it when I came into this musical theater world. And so Mm. singing, it just it wasn't fun to me because I was always trying to make my voice sound like someone else. And so Mm. when I I took a break, like for a couple months, I barely even hummed. And I got after a while, I started just like looking up uh, different musicals that I liked and that weren't necessarily written for black people and I'm like, you know what? I like this song. And I just started to sing things that made me happy and that I felt 
sounded good on me and not anyone else. And I didn't ask anyone's opinion. And I started recording myself singing. And I'm like, this is actually fun. And it was like having a breakup and then learning how to fall in love again. Mm. And I really, really found myself enjoying singing again like I did in high school. So like taking a step away, (laughs) like even beyond COVID, like I recommend that anybody would do it if you're ever feeling stressed out, because sometimes that's what you need. You need to just separate yourself and rediscover what made you love that in the first place. Yeah. Right. And in taking a step back, did you find that other opportunities presented themselves to you? Oh, for sure. Because theater's theater's still asleep right now. (laughs) And uh, actually, it was in the fall fall of 2019. um, I had made the decision that I was going to actively start to do voiceover. Fun fact, voiceover is what got me into... um, wanting to act in the first place. So like back when I was like a kid, I wanted to uh, like I wanted to voice um, the English dub for a lot of Japanese animation shows. And like that's what got me into, Okay, well, let me look up acting. And when I got into musical theater, I just kind of abandoned ship. And there was that little part of me that that uh, 13, 14 year old Antoinette was just like, what about what you really wanted to do all those years ago? And Mm -hmm. so I had made that decision that I was going to jump into voiceover. And thankfully, since that's something you can do isolated by yourself, that was still continuing on. So over the summer, um, a former colleague of mine, she it was very random. She texted me. and was just like, hey, there's this pay what you can intro to voiceover class. And I was like, OK, Lord, I hear you. Sure. So, <laughs> so I, I uh, signed up for it. And then I ended up taking like the uh, the full the full program. And I was like, this is amazing. And I found myself just getting excited about work again. And the way the way doors just open. So like um, I was already um, with the commercial department of my agency. I hadn't been able to do a whole lot because my primary focus had been musical theater for so long. Well, my agent decided that this was no longer the, the industry for her. So they merged our commercial and voiceover departments. And after I finished class, I suddenly had a voiceover agent and I'm just like, okay, well, so this is this is how it feels when um, when they say you're walking in your purpose because things open at the right time. So it was like I had finished my class. I had gotten my microphone and I currently have my first voiceover commercial running on cable and Internet right now. And I'm like, congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm like, who would have thought? And so I was like, that thing that I wanted to do that I buried because I was like, okay, I'm doing musical theater for so long. It it didn't die. And I was Mm -hmm. like, it it was still there and it was still able to come to fruition um, after the fact. And I absolutely love it. And so, I mean, I still have that goal. I'm hoping to do some English dub one day. But the fact that I can say I am a working voiceover actress is just amazing. (laughs) That's so cool. So what was it that about Japanese that led you to to start learning Japanese? Um, I I was a huge, 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 huge anime nerd as a child. Um, I loved the stories. I actually used to I used to to draw. Um, maybe I should get back into that. Um, I, I loved the stories and a lot of uh, the anime that I was attracted to had to do with like the historical aspects of Japan. And so I was like, I want to go there and work. So um, this had been 2017. A job took me overseas uh, to Korea. And so while I was out there, I was like, I will never be this close to Japan again. I want to go. 
So a friend of mine, we uh, after the contract was over, we flew to Japan for a week and it was life changing. And I hope to go back and go back there again because I would love to stay for like a month or two to just try and do some work. Um, mm-hmm. While we were there, um, we were at this bar. It was like a it was called a bar gym where one half was a bar and the other half was a boxing gym and they were connected. I don't huh. know. Very okay. interesting. But while we were there, we met um, this man who was actually from England. And so he was able to speak English, and obviously. So we were able to have a full conversation. <laughs> and he was telling me that he had gone there for like graphic, some type of design. I think it was graphic design. And on the side, he did acting. And I was like, you what? You act on the side? And he showed me like his headshot and stuff. And his headshot looked like a full on Polaroid. But this man had so many credits. <laughs> Because in Japan, there's like a a need for black English speaking actors. And he was like, yeah, I do these little parts all the time. And he's like, actually, sometimes my acting work brings in more money than what I came here to do. And when I tell you the wheels started turning, I was like, wait a minute. So I could come over here and learn about this culture that I fell in love with as a child and like make a living. And I'm like, that's so dope. Like, I would love to do that. So I've been uh, trying to like teach myself Japanese. I'm taking an, an online class uh, right now where it's kind of like you you learn at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to get to like a conversational aspect because going back there to maybe do some acting work just to be there, just to learn more things oh, is another it's another dream of mine. That's amazing. Well, I I. I have no doubt that will come to fruition in some way, shape, or form for you. So on that note, do you have any other advice for artists that might be struggling with anxiety? Oh, my! discover who you are outside of your craft. Um, I, I like to think of it kind of like how a, how, like a football player. If a football player, like, messes up his leg, he's not dead, but, like, his life has to go on. And especially for theater artists, that's kind of like what we're in this state right now. And it can be very easy to fall into anxiety if everything that was fulfilling you was in your job. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would just really encourage artists to really get to know themselves, like explore every single thing that makes them happy. Find a circle of people, a very small circle of people I recommend that you can trust and just share and share life with. So you're always reminded that you're not alone and to share the negative things and to share the things that like don't always go right with people. So you um, are always a getting it out and you have that comfort and support around you Um, and to spend time writing. (laughs) I can't say this enough, but just like journaling about the day, being aware of what your thoughts are, no matter how dark or how bright they are, like highlight the good days, highlight the bad days. Oh, I've also done a video journal. So if you don't like writing, there was a period of time in October I did, um, I video journaled the end of my day for 21 days. And actually last night I went back and I watched one of them and I was just like, look at you, Antoinette, encouraging yourself (laughs) from three months ago. And I'm just like, just, yeah. Like just there's so many different ways, even if it's a post-it, I have a lot of things uh, posted. I have uh, different Bible verses or or quotes that I think are really good posted around my room. Um, and I make sure to actively just like look at them and keep make sure that my mind is staying positive. And when I start to get to a place where I'm just like, Antoinette, you're not worth it. No, 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 no. 
I could, it, it's, it's easy. It's, it's right there for me. I can look up on my court board or I can call a friend or I can go, okay, time to write these thoughts out. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Anything else you'd like to share? There is a song called Enough by Anthony Brown. And I discovered it around mm, like October-ish uh, last year. And it had been super encouraging for me um, because sometimes I feel like when I want to try something new or try something hard, like I'm like, I don't I don't have what it takes or, you know, that should go to someone else who's more experienced. But whatever is for you, you already have the tools inside of you that you need. So sometimes you think you need A, B, C, D, this, that and the third when all you may need is your voice. All you may need to do is try. All you may need to do is just take the first step and you'll get to your eventual goal. And that song is something that I play pretty regularly now when I whenever I'm, I get to that place. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm just not good enough. And I'm like, no, you are. And you have everything you need. Um, if it was meant for someone else, then it would be for them. But since it's for you, you have enough. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your your light and your joy. It's so appreciated. I really enjoyed being able to chat with you about this. Like even having this conversation is therapeutic because I'm telling you, like when you say things out loud and you hear yourself, it's all it's almost like you're you're motivating yourself in the same way. So I hope that whoever is listening is encouraged as I encourage you and try to kind of encourage myself a little bit. Absolutely. Um, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Antoinette Comer. For more information on some of the topics we discussed and to hear other artists' stories, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety in the Artist is produced by Frost Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Bosco Chef. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.